maritime industry in general is just, it's built on mentorship. To get your license, there's not like a driving portion of your license. You take the classes, you submit your sea time. Coast Guard is counting on the fact that those sea days were under the tutelage of somebody who's actually teaching you to be safe mm -hmm. and how to handle boats and how to interact with other boats on the water. Well, Wendy, thank you for joining us. I appreciate it. Thanks for taking the time. Oh, thanks for coming out here. Yeah, um, beautiful boats. I'm looking forward to seeing the other one, which conveniently is also called Vanguard. Vanguard, yes. <laughs> yes, the, the notes in our system get a little confusing sometimes. <laughs> yeah, Vanguard on Vessel Vanguard. Exactly. That's how it goes. But um, yeah, again, thank you for having us. Really appreciate it. Uh, we wanted to come up here and talk to you because you're running a pretty impressive operation. Thank you've, you. You've grown it from single boat. Now you've got two. You have an 83-footer and an 88-footer, and then now you've got one that's getting refitted now. Yes, a 55-footer we have in the yard currently. Okay, so can you walk us through first who you are and then what Sunburst Yacht Charters does and give us a quick rundown and then we'll kind of take it from there. Yeah, certainly. So Sunburst Yacht Charters is the premier luxury yacht charter in Tampa Bay. Uh, as you said, we've got two vessels um, as... I started out as captain on just mm -hmm. the single vessel, and as we've grown and more responsibility has come my way, um, I've also acquired the company title of director of marine operations. So not just vessel operations, but um, anything operational for this company uh, falls under my umbrella. And okay, nice. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank That's you awesome. Very much. And when was that? Um, just a couple months ago at my three-year mark. Nice. I got the title and to go along with all the, the work that's going along with it. So. All right. And so you joined here, you said April 2020? April of 2020, yes. Okay. Height of pandemic. Yeah, and yes. so what was that like to jump in on this operation? And you just had a single boat at that time. Yeah, right? we just had a single boat at that time. Um, and it was just charter captain at that point. Um, and it was a little crazy. Uh, we did a lot of business. It was one of those things that the world had shut down and then charter vessels were really the only place that you could come and have your bubble come mm -hmm. with you. Um, and with allowing 12 passengers on board, it could be a pretty big bubble, you know, a family or two if they were, you know, sheltering in place together or whatever. So it was, sure. it was fantastic. And then the world opened up again and people could go other places. Uh, but the good news was we had built a reputation over the course of that year, year and a half or so. And yeah. We keep going strong. Did you have a lot of people flying down from other states to do it? Or was it a lot of people locally? Um, it started out with a lot of locals. And then um, as New York found out that they could come to Florida <laughs> <laughs> for a little more freedom, that's when um, we started to get out of towners for sure. As the United States um, started to have the who was locked down, who wasn't wars, uh, we started to get more out of town people Got it. coming to hang out in Florida. Yeah. So what was that like to come into the boat at that time where obviously the whole world is changing and it's pretty much pandemonium right. outside, but then you have a ton of people coming and like how frequently were you running charters at that time? Uh, we were out about twice a week Okay. at that time, uh, wow. which, you know, for vessels of this size and the level of um, like... Uh, I'm sorry, I just lost the word, uh, the level of experience that we want to give everybody. Uh, that was, I mean, it was pretty busy for us. It takes mm -hmm. us a day and a half really to get these things back to like Q-tip cleaned and, 
at the highest level that we possibly can for the next group that comes on board. So it's, um, we were busy. It was a lot of work and um, not only just had to keep it clean, but you know, all the maintenance stuff that goes along with that. And with one vessel, um, I was, you know, keeping track with Word documents and, you know, uh, Excel sheets and digital, both digital and physical copies of invoices and, you know, a file for this and a file for that. And I have this stack at home and I've got everything in the computer so that I can, you know, send it to the owner or whatever. So um, it was crazy, but it was doable. Okay. Um, and then we did well enough that the owner was like, yes, let's get another boat. And I was like, okay, <laughs> sure, let's do it. Uh, so at that point when it started to expand, um, my system still worked, but it needed a little bit more help. Um, and actually I had used your platform uh, when it was, am I allowed to say Wheelhouse yeah. Technologies? Yeah, okay. sure. Uh, when it was Wheelhouse Technologies at my, my previous um, okay. captain's position. So I already knew that it existed and it was very helpful. The company that I worked for before had four vessels that they were maintaining uh, when they implemented it and it really streamlined things. So when we got the second vessel, I was like, hey guys, let's let's bring us in you know, mm -hmm. to the 3000s here. <laughs> Let's like actually use a platform that's meant um, for keeping track of these things. And it has definitely streamlined um, like that part of my job, keeping okay. track of where the money is going. Kind of for thing. sure. Well, so can you, can you kind of give an example? Because I, I talked to a lot of captains and yacht managers who use it. They came from spreadsheets and paper. What was kind of the, was kind of the point where you knew okay, we got to make a change, like we got to implement something. What was it like here? And then what was it like at the last company too? So at the last company, um, I was really just a staff captain. So I wasn't like in the room when the decisions were made. It was just like, hey, we've got these guys coming out. They're going to put us in their system. It's just your job to upkeep, you know, X, Y, Z as we mm -hmm. go forward. Um, and I was like, oh, that's great. Because we went from like four, five, six, like three ring binders that just sat at the helm. And you know, every time you did fuel, you put it in that binder. And every time, you know, we had a fire inspection, that went to a different binder, you know. And then when the Coast Guard came, you had to be like, okay, here's, here are all my binders. You know, here's, let's get you to where we were from your last inspection type of thing. Mm -hmm. So there was just a lot of space. And I mean, in this digital age, like once it's printed out, it's, already out of date you know like you don't you don't have the upkeep for that so um that really streamlined um the operations just between the owner dmo our lead captain over there and having the staff captains be able to participate in the upkeep and keeping track of just like everyday management and operations of the vessels um so uh my full-time mate and i when we got two boats um, it was, it was becoming harder for me to just like leave my computer and be like, okay, you know, or leave me a stack, you know, I'd come back in and I, then I would have to take the stack of receipts and invoices and then input them. Um, so now at this point, it's gotten more so that he and I can work in tandem and together. So it's not just like your job is this and my job is this. It's we can come together. I see when he's updated things. He can see when I've updated things. I can shoot him invoices. I can just upload invoices to the correct work orders. Um, and we can keep track of things in a closer to real time instead of me sitting down at the end of the month and 
drinking a thousand cups of tea just to like, <laughs> you know, get everything loaded and, you know, in a place so that if the owner says, why did we spend X amount on a pump? I'd be like, oh, this is the pump. This is the vendor. This is the invoice. You know, these are the pictures of the old pump and why it failed. This is all of the information for the new pump, serial number, manufacturer, date of install. Mm. Um, so that that way in three months, if it fails, I go, oh, didn't we just install that? I can go back and look and then we can call the vendor or the manufacturer and be like, hey guys, like this pump is supposed to last until the zombie apocalypse. Why did it fail after three months? Like, you know, that kind yeah. of thing get the replacement, get it taken care of, and then you can show exactly. them like, hey, look, this was done. Yeah, no, and we have who did it. Um, if it's a company or if it's just, you know, the owner, like a tech or something like that, we can, we have a paper trail, we have a digital trail, um, so that that way, if I drop dead, you know, <laughs> or, mm -hmm. you know, they, they can go back and they've got steps that they can follow, um, strict paper trail. Yeah. yeah, like that. Well, it's like if you drop dead too, or if it's like you, even if you move on to another opportunity and like it's another captain takes over, that continues exactly. as well. But also what we're hearing too is like as people come in, like you have new team members, like look at the boat, here's the lay of the land. The, this, it, the cool thing about yachts and also the frustrating thing about <laughs> managing them is that it is like a little city on the water. You have every single type of system that a city would have from yeah if you get water. it in your home we have to make it mm -hmm. on board yeah. somehow so and it's 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 kind of mind-blowing it's really impressive that people run these and run them to the level that they do it's it's very cool well and so you you mentioned the owner of this too like mm -hmm. keeping track of some of these things as you run a business like this you you're running a team how many people on your team now we currently have three full-time crew members. I'm actively trying to hire a fourth, um, get somebody trained before the third boat comes, and we're even farther underwater than we currently are crew-wise. Um, and then, oops, sorry. And then in the office, uh, we have our vice president and we have a director of uh, marketing and business strategy. So, strategy. There's another T in there. Sorry. <laughs> um, so, uh, five of us total. Um, six on the horizon with an extra crew member. Um, so cool. we're we're small. We're a very small company. We've really only been in business like full tilt like this since 2020. So we're we're a young company. So it's yeah. all hands on deck, so to speak. I definitely I want to talk to you about the mentorship to go back to the crew, but just okay. in terms of like communicating with the the leadership of the company and everything like that. What what is it that the the yacht captains what are they looking for? what are the ownership of a yacht charter company or somebody that owns uh like a boat that they're mm -hmm. chartering what are some of the things that they're looking for from the captain in terms of like what they want to know like what makes them feel comfortable how do they know that it's running well like what are some of those things that you you found gotcha um so with the owners that i've worked for in the past and this one as well it's just accountability um, okay. some owners are more hands-on, they're here more often, they kind of see everyday operations. Some owners are just a little more, a little less hands-on, yeah. just depending on what they're doing. Like some guys are just retired and this is like what they do now. Other guys, you know, they, they still have their full-time job. Um, but this was a side gig that, you know, they're hoping to either offset the cost of their vessel or, you know, be their, be their fun thing after they retire, you know? Um, so it's, it's really accountability. So, uh, and my, my previous job for vessel, when we were using wheelhouse, um, it was so 
that the our owner was very hands-on over there like his office was in the middle of the company he was there every day um so really it was a way for him to make sure that his captains were, were mm -hmm. doing what we were doing, which, I mean, honestly, that's pretty easy to figure out. Like, if your boat starts to sink, you know, or things catch on fire, or, you know, it doesn't work, like, your captain's not doing what they're supposed to. It becomes pretty obvious. Um, but he, he was a little more hands-on than that. So he, he wanted to know what was happening at all times. Um, and then here, um, it's just, it's still, it's accountability. So mm -hmm. that... Um, you know, I have a budget that I have to maintain and stay within and, you know, funds that kind of move and shift kind of as needed. So it's a way for him to just kind of like pop in, look at the system and go, oh, I see that receipt. Oh, I see that invoice. Oh, I see it. I see it. I see it. So that, you know, when after two months of heavy chartering and, you know, big fixes on board, like hydraulic fixes, things like that, when the credit card receipt comes through and it's like $25,000 and they go, wait, excuse me, what? And I'm like, I'm sorry, <laughs> things broke. Mm -hmm. We had to fix them. But here are the receipts, here are the vendors, here's the times that they were fixed. You know, the boat was down for X number of days or hours. Um, and it's just, it's a, it comes down to just accountability. Um, I set it up so that my mate and I, we can change everything. We've got full access to the entire system. Um, uh, our chief stew has actually just been looped in on it too. Um, he's been doing more like interior projects to kind of take some of the weight off of deck. Um, so, you know, when he comes in and he sees like, oh, there's a something inside that needs to be fixed. He's got, he can do that. He can put it in as an OM in Vessel Vanguard. So I see that it's been done, you know, all of that stuff. Uh, but then the owners have, have looky-loo privileges. <laughs> they, don't, they don't get to go in and, and poke and change anything um, just in case. Imagine if you had full control of your boat, you felt safer, eliminated the unknown, and you were able to forecast and plan for your boat's upcoming maintenance instead of being caught off guard. Can you imagine knowing exactly what is installed on your boat down to the part and serial number on all of your standard and custom equipment at a moment's notice? Having instant access to your manuals while at dock or at sea and provide custom departure checklists specifically for your boat and your crew. Imagine ensuring the safety of your vessels and passengers with instant access to send emergency alerts and being able to ensure the value and the pedigree of your boat with digital logs recording the full history of every event on your boat. Well, you can with Vessel Vanguard. We are the leading maintenance and safety management software in the marine industry. We work with a wide range of marine industry experts, including yacht owners, captains, ferry and tugboat operators. If you're looking to safeguard your assets and preserve your revenue, visit VesselVanguard.com and schedule a demonstration for yourself. The link can be found in the show notes below. We look forward to supporting you and your vessel soon. Got it. So what is it like, what is it like managing a crew in these situations, like we, just for example, like we were gonna film Tuesday, but a trip pops up right after you guys just had, had a trip. Right. What, is, what is that like to manage a crew as things change, taking care of customers, making sure they have a great experience, everything like that. As a leader, what is that like? Um, it can be a little hectic. Um, this industry, the maritime industry in general, is just, it's built on mentorship. Uh, to get your license, there's not like a driving portion of your license, right? You sit, you take the classes, you submit your sea time to the Coast Guard, and the Coast Guard is counting on the fact that those sea days were under the tutelage of somebody who's actually 
teaching you to be safe mm -hmm. and how to handle boats and how to interact with other boats on the water. Yes, we have tests that say like, oh, you know, you got to pass 90% on your rules of the road, like you need to know it. But at the same time, um, you need to be with somebody who can show you that in real world. Like, yes, in black and white, it says X, Y, Z, but that other boat, they've probably never seen the coal rigs. They have no idea what the rules of the road are. So it's my job to teach my crew so that as they come up, they're not just paper captains once they get their credentials and they can step in and actually have real world experience on that. So um, I take that part of my job very seriously. Like okay. I had great mentors. I wouldn't be where I'm at if I didn't have the mentorship and the tutelage from my captains. Um, so it's my job to pay that forward. Um, and it's also my job to set a good example. Um, mm -hmm. Unfortunately, just recently, my crew called me out on not setting a terribly good example. I work a lot and I am terrible um, with like work-life boundaries. Um, this is a small company. I'm in charge of making sure that everything is running. So if um, like the AC on that one needs a little bit of help. So after this, I'll go hang out with the family, but I've already warned them I've got to come back tonight and clear that AC. Um, you know, after working what felt like a thousand hours <laughs> over the course yeah. of like two and a half weeks, you know, give the crew the time off. Um, unfortunately, the vendors that can take care of that, they're all busy. So, you know, it's my job to go and take care of that. Um, honestly, not all captains and not all yacht managers will do that. They'll just be like, oh, well, it's broken. I guess we'll wait until somebody can come out and fix it. Um, unfortunately, I feel like the job I've taken on is just to make sure that I'm taking care of, you know, the five million plus dollars worth of assets that are out here floating. Um, and unfortunately, a downed AC in Florida for any length of time can, you know, cause problems on the interior. So, you know, yeah. you just, I did. They, I got called out by them for not having <laughs> a super, super healthy uh, work life boundaries. Um, but unfortunately, some of that is just in this industry, when it rains, it pours. Like you charter a lot and then like, oh, we're a little bit dry for a little while. And then you buckle down and do the maintenance part. Um, and then unfortunately it feels kind of never ending. So um, from a mentorship point, I've kind of hit this inflection point, especially just with the company and the crew and myself to make better decisions uh, okay. when it comes to the hours that I'm working so that I can be a better support to the crew because I'll tell them like take the day off we finish charter on Tuesday I'm like I'm not gonna see you till Saturday bye I'm not gonna call you I don't care if the boats are on fire that is not your problem that's my problem mm, okay so they're off and it's gonna stay that way and they're not gonna see this until they get back so they can't be mad at me about that one so we're good. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah so it's um it's a big job um, mm -hmm. and it takes a fair amount of like personal reflection and knowledge in order to be a good leader to your crew. Um, I think I saw like kind of a snippet of Captain Kelly Gordon's mm -hmm. where she was like, you know, you got to teach them good habits. You know, she's she'll prefer to take their crew out to dinner instead of letting them loose on the bar scene. Um, we're a little bit different here just because everybody gets to go home at night. We're not a live aboard situation. Um, up until really recently, we've been doing day trips, like four and eight hour stuff. So it's really easy to go home at the end of the day sure. and you don't create um, like those weird stress habits that happen when you're away from home. 
fully away from and home. working a thousand hours on charter you know and that kind of thing so and in a tight space too and it, yeah we get to we get to spread out we get to go to our respective homes and be like i'll see you guys in 24 hours i'll see you guys in three days you know something like that to just kind of um feel like yourself again mm -hmm. you get to recenter at home you know in a situation that is is not work um and i try really hard to to push that on the guys um so what are some of the things that you do because it sounds like you have a pretty good way of having open communication because if your team can come to you and tell you basically give you like a critique or like <laughs> hey you're you know you got to do better here <laughs> yeah that doesn't come with close communication or like a distrust like how did you how did you create that like how do you create an environment like that in a very although it's a big boat it's a it's, small space yeah we are a very small family here like i said five people total right now just three crew we're looking to add a fourth crew member so um i think that that just comes from me being open to start with um you know i've always everybody meets a new captain and they're like oh i can't tell the captain i gotta you know just you know do my thing if the captain knows and i'm in trouble um i tried to make it very clear um especially at this company but the other companies where i've been in a captain like middle management kind of position sure. is that um i'll do my best to come to you like you can tell when people are having a bad day or they're just tired or whatever um and it's your job as leader to be like go take a break you're like go sit in the ac like go have some water go go sit in a corner <laughs> go sit on your naughty step no um <laughs> go you know just take some time for yourself like, sometimes it is that yeah it's like sometimes yeah. it is like all right you're, you're also out of line too like how do you so you you've got the piece where you can go to them and say like hey i see something's off and like i'm yeah. here to help you out and also in those middle management roles you do have to protect people that are below you right sometimes the people above you they don't understand the day-to-day -day. they can be a little more detached and they kind yeah. of forget what Maybe it's like to be down in an engine room for three hours straight, pulling yeah. something <laughs> apart. Like, well, why isn't this done? It's like, well, yeah. it's actually a lot harder than we thought. So, exactly. But there's also the flip side. Like, how do you, how do you have the uncomfortable conversations too? Um, you just have to like sit down and do it. Like, yeah. put on your big girl pants yeah. and like find um, where it is. The upside to this company is that I'm fully in charge of all of the hiring for crew. Okay. Um, so anybody that works with me, I'm the one that will will sit down. We'll do the interviews. Um, we have like a 90 day probationary period because we are so small. It's not you can't just get get lost in the background. Like if you don't fit with us, you don't fit. You usually just don't fit, and it's not an attack or a judgment or anything like that. It's just sometimes personalities don't mesh. Yeah. And well, so, and if you're if you're willing to come here tonight to flush out an AC <laughs> unit because yeah. you can't get vendors, like. There is a work ethic there that does kind of need to be matched. Like if somebody's yes. going to be lazy or I know that they're telling you you're working too much, but it doesn't sound like it comes from a place of like, why are you working so hard? Like you should calm down. You should make me look bad. <laughs> yeah. It's like it, you got to find people that can can mesh. I mean, Definitely. we've been at different companies too where when the wrong people come in and they come into the wrong department or even worse, like the wrong leadership, it's amazing how fast like the air gets sucked out of the room and how how fast things go a completely wrong direction yeah. i mean it's uh yeah and this is a tight space to uh go the wrong direction right yeah and it, <laughs> i try really hard um not to take my bad days out mm -hmm. on my crew because there's too 
two of them, right? Like <laughs> that's unfair. You know, when you, if you're having a bad day in an office, you just kind of like sit in your cubicle and just be like, yeah, drop off whatever reports you want me to take care of. I'm just going to sit behind my computer. Um, you know, I'm peacing out at five 30. Don't talk to me, you know, but yeah. here, um, doesn't really matter what's going on. It, we have to be cohesive. We have to find it in our own personalities and in ourselves to be like a productive member of the team. And that's not to say that people don't have bad days. Like you can just, you can have a bad day and that's, but I think that also comes from understanding that humans are just human. You can have a bad day. Like you don't have to come in and be like happy Miss Mary sunshine mm -hmm. all the time. Um, but on the flip side, like don't come in and be like a Debbie Downer all the time. Like yeah. people fluctuate and that's fine. And I think just having that understanding that, and the, the space to kind of be who you are allows us to have that open communication. Because if I was always just like, I don't want to hear it. Like, you're here to work. Keep your head down. Like, I don't care if you've just spent three hours in the engine room. I don't care if you're on the brink of, like, heat exhaustion. <laughs> um, like, that's a feeling that nobody wants mm -hmm. to work in and, in this case, live in. You know, even though we do get to go home at night, it feels like I do see these people more often than I see my home, especially for the last couple of weeks. But um, it's openness and just understanding. And I think that to your question about like how like the reprimanding side of it goes mm -hmm. is that we don't have to do that side if you can head it off at the pass. Yeah, much less. Yeah. Um, oh. When you work with bigger companies, you know, you have to, you, there's, there's the write-ups and like you were five minutes late again. And like, I don't like just, you know, mm -hmm. I always felt bad for like the well, he's five minutes late again. He's five minutes late again. Like, and now for our SOPs, like I have to write this kid up mm -hmm. just because like he can't leave the house 10 minutes earlier, you know? <laughs> and I like it. The first write up, it's just like, come on, dude, just 10 minutes earlier. I, you know, it was sit, get here, sit in your car for five minutes if you have to, or sit just outside the gate. If like it takes you too long to cross the street, like there's, there's planning and there's mentorship and mm -hmm. like you, you can do this. Like I have to write you up. It's part of our SOP, but, but please like, where do you live? Okay. I know it's hard to leave just 10, just 10 minutes earlier. Put your uniform in the car the night before, like whatever you need to do. And then the next time they come to you, you're like, I had to write you up again. Cause you've been late three more times. Like what happened? Like, what have you been doing to change this? Like, well, I know you said I should X, Y, Z, but I haven't done it. And I was like, okay, well, let's try it again. Like, mm -hmm put gas in your car on the way home. Like I don't, whatever needs, like there needs to be like 30 seconds worth of planning so that you, I don't have to write you up for like dumb stuff. And uh, you know, and sometimes I people may, don't get I it. I may or may not have been that person <laughs> when like I worked it. at one of these corporate type jobs. <laughs> yeah. And actually, yeah. At one point, my now wife was my boss before she was my wife. And uh, I would show up, you know, that one to five minutes late and she'd be like, can you, for the love of God, just show up five minutes earlier, right. please? You do everything else well, but I have to keep writing you up. You're almost going to get fired for this. And, and it's for dumb stuff. Like, you could have yeah. been, like, the, the best at all of the things that they gave to you, right? You finished projects earlier on time. You know, you were working at 110%. Mm -hmm. You know, you turned in stuff that, like, never had to be proofread. Like, you, you know, you could do all these things, but... There's that one line, you know, that says, you know, more Can't show up on time. more than 10 minutes, you know, more than five minutes late and we have to write you up. And you're just like consistently there at six minutes. And you're like, you're the best thing I have going for me. But why can't you just get here literally 60 seconds earlier? <laughs> you know, it's like it's just that much. I don't and know. Your hands are tied. Like 
in the in the bigger companies, like your my hands were tied at that yeah. point. Like you you have to do the write ups. You have to like reprimand these people, and you're just like, oh, come on, pull your head out of your ass. Just yeah. Like, am and I like my ass? Sorry. Yeah, my head yeah. was in my ass apparently for quite a long time, unfortunately. So, but it, everything worked out. No, and it does. And you know, and with the smaller companies, like I said, like I get to actually hire people. I do bring the VP in on like the. I'll get it down to like our top three and okay. then he'll sit in on the interviews and things like that just to, to make sure I'm not building a coup down here. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, so, uh, but you know, it's, I find it makes my life easier mm-hmm. as a leader and a mentor to actually understand the people that we're bringing in that I can bring in under my wing that we can teach together. And that's the other thing. Like, it's not just my job to yeah. teach the new people. Um, like my mate, first mate he's been working with me for like four years now two at the previous company and um two here um you know and my chief stew he's been here for like a year now um he they know how we run things you know they know how we like to keep the galley organized they know how we keep all of our like chemical lockers organized which chemicals go to you know which project that kind of thing and so although it's ultimately my job to make sure that my crew and even our new member is up to speed and continues to learn things. Um, it's also up to the the crew to be open to kind of expanding our family and ex- mm-hmm. you know expanding our, our work family a little bit. So yeah, and you got to set that pace. You got to set the tone as a leader in that that situation because it's also too when you go through it and you have that mindset, you know what it's like to move up in something and. You also you know what it's like to not get the mentorship that you need, but it also sounds like you've had some good situations where you've had mentors who can teach you those things. Like, what were some of the key things that, if you're good to shout them out, you're more than welcome <laughs> to. But like, what are some of the key things that you learned from those people as you were coming up, and maybe it was something you didn't realize you didn't know, like you, it wasn't even on your radar at all that you learned. Like, what were some of the most impactful things that shaped your view of why? Like having mentors and moving people forward in the industry, like what? What are some of those things that shape that thought that you have? Um, I so I grew up in Southern California, and um, I did not grow up on the water. I grew up like in the water, like we go to the beach and all sure. of that. But um, my dad gets like he looks at a boat and he gets seasick. So like boating <laughs> wasn't really like in our thing. Uh, my mom did grow up on a sailboat. Like her parents had a little small sailboat that they would take um, from. Uh, like them, like marinas by LA in LA County across to um, Catalina Island Catalina. and yeah, yep. all that. So my mom grew up on the water as well as in it. And so when we were kids, my mom was like, "Oh, let's do sailing lessons." And I was like, "Okay, you know." Yeah. And I I hated it. Uh-huh. I hated it. I love my mom. <laughs> I hated the sailing <laughs> lessons. Like I was, it was not cool. I didn't like it at all. Um, I actually don't remember how my brother did. I was just, I was so tucked up in my own world about just like hating my sailing lessons that I, I don't even remember if my brother liked them or not. I know the um, feeling. So Eric, let me know, like get a hold of me, let me know. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, I didn't have like the experience growing up of like just being behind the helm mm-hmm. and like all like of that. Like the family mentorship of yeah, being in both. Yeah, which... Yeah. You know, a lot of people in our industry do have. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I didn't have that. I, I didn't have that. I didn't go to maritime college. Like I just kind of fell into it. So um, 
I didn't know what I didn't know. Like I, I took a couple of courses at our local community college. Um, they were offering a level one Mariners certification. Um, it happened to have a maritime environments class in it, like a, basically a weather class. Mm -hmm. And at the time, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to go into the science side of meteorology, working with climate change and how really the weather patterns, coastal mm -hmm. weather patterns are going to change with a change in sea surface temperatures and just like overall global temperatures. Like that was, that was what I wanted to do and thought, you know, I should at least take a class in weather before like I just <laughs> go for it, right? <laughs> so I just happened into this certification program and enjoyed it. And I was like, you know what? This is actually a good idea. I could get deckhand skills and kind of work towards my education goal of, you know, being a climate scientist and seems like a good thing. So I ended up finishing that and getting on a charter boat in Southern California with a fantastic captain. Okay. Uh, he was a great mentor. Um, Captain Bob McCoy. Shout out to Bob. Shout out to Bob. Shout out to Bob, who I actually called not too long ago because I was having a, a, my own little leadership crisis. So I, I called him. So we're still in touch. Like it's, it's really great to still have that kind of yeah. like, contact in it's my life. It's amazing how you can like build those relationships and have that resource as you move ahead. You find yourself in his spot. Exactly. And now you're like, have you ever experienced like, anything like that? So how did you do this? <laughs> you know, type yeah. of question. So that was really good. But to your point, like I didn't, like, I didn't know what I didn't know. So I learned everything from, from Bob, really, Captain Bob. And um, I had like just enough education to not die while on board, right? Mm -hmm. I knew not to stand in like bites of lines. Like I knew not to get my hand wrapped up. Um, you know. Sometimes that's all you well, need like, to start. When I when we had <laughs> when we had our daughter, I just told my wife, I said, "Tell me all the things that I need to do to not kill the baby," right. and that's that's all I need to know, and I'll yeah. figure things out from there. Put poo noodles on corners, right? Like that's that's yeah, it. Good enough. I don't know. Good luck. <laughs> don't fall down the stairs. Um, so yeah, that was that was really it. So I I got very lucky. I think mm -hmm. I didn't I didn't end up in a situation that was unsafe. I didn't end up in a situation that was abusive or uncomfortable. Like I like my my karma was with me on that first move. Like I I had a great place yeah. to learn and become a mariner. And so I I really learned everything from Bob. Like boat handling on large vessels, boat handling on small vessels because we had a tender on that boat. Um how to anchor, how to moor, how to you know, make transits across portions of the Pacific Ocean, which are never really that calm, you know. Um, so it was like kind of getting thrown in to the deep end. Mm -hmm. um, luckily, I had a really good lifeguard. Um, and as I've gotten older and have been to you know, other companies and have been working my way up, like I worked my way all the way up to my mate position on that one vessel. Mm -hmm. um, so. I had like a really good solid like base education. And what that. size boat was that? It was an 83. Okay. 83. And she was actually an inspected vessel. So we could have up to I think like 63 people if we were in protected waters. Um, and if we were leaving the breakwater to go near coastal all the way to the island, I think we were restricted to like 42 or something. Oh wow. Like that. Okay. So it wasn't a very large boat. I mean, it's about the size of Vanguard. So okay. size-wise, they're very similar. 
there was just like a lot more people on board. So not only was it like passenger management and safety, you know, vessel management and safety, um, boat handling, uh, a little bit of, you know, engine room stuff. Uh, I think, I think Captain Bob always hired like vendors or stuff like that because that, that's just how the owner wanted to like run things. Um, so not a whole lot down there, but, you know, like check oil, check coolant, do engine room checks, you know, make sure things aren't on fire, you know. Get in the lay of the land. Get in the lay of the land, yeah. Just making making those good underway habits, those good operational habits yeah. of that and, kind of thing. And what did you, what were some of like the biggest safety concerns on a boat that size with that many people? Like what were some of the things that you had to do to make, before you left the dock, while you were out there, when you came back, what were some... Just from a safety perspective, what were some of the main things you had to focus on? Um, having that many people on board, it's passenger management. You know, okay. just the only person that stays put is the person behind the helm. Everybody else is constantly moving. And it, um, it was the captain and me and another deckhand. Um, so at, for the first part of my career, I was a deckhand and we had a mate. And then it kind of shifted over the course of the six years I worked with them. But um, it was always... The two crew members, we were just always moving, you know, bow, salon, downstairs, check on people, check on the aft deck, you know, just mm -hmm. you're always walking around, always making sure that you see the same faces, you know, and then it gets to a round and you're like, I've seen that dude for a couple minutes, like, and then you're like, okay, well, now I have to go look for somebody, you know, and they're usually like in the bathroom or, you know, mm -hmm. like they've decided to like pass out in the stateroom or something like that. So, you know, but it's just having that built-in practice, like almost like muscle memory, right? Where you're just like, okay, we just, we're going to keep moving. And then all of a sudden you're like, that dude's gone. Where'd he go? <laughs> you know, and then we make sure he's still on board, you know, and then it's just, it's just management, you know? Um, and there's skills that, I mean, I don't think I would have just like known as a 20 something, you know, captain just said, nope, keep moving. Mm -hmm. You can come up and check on me, but um, you've been up here for 60 seconds. I don't need anything. Beat feet go around just keep walking so yeah. you know 13,000 steps on it like an 84 foot you know, <laughs> in circles go the other way a couple times so you don't get dizzy really but, big hamster wheel at exactly, that point. yeah 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 exactly <laughs> so uh, and and so like how does somebody when you talk to somebody that wants to get in the industry I know Kelly does a great job of this we actually just talked to her yesterday about this kind of stuff but when when somebody wants to get in the industry how do you kind of tell them where they should go, who they should start with, like what kind of experience? Like, do you recommend somebody try to do that same kind of path you did? Do you tell them to try to go to a commercial operation? You know What's what? usually the feedback? It depends on the person. Okay. Um, I don't just have a blanket response for people that are like asking for advice. It's really depends on the individual. Like I just happened to fall into the yachting sector of our industry and found that I really liked it. I liked having the smaller groups on board. I could like actually meet people, you know, you, they become, you know, part of your universe pretty quick, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and then when I moved to Florida, I had like a brand new captain's license and I had to like kind of start from scratch. So I did a lot of passenger vessel stuff, um, dolphin excursions, um, pirate water taxi. Okay. Um, and then the dinner yacht starship. Um, so I had a stint in passenger vessel, and then I was like, I I like I like a challenge. Okay. So I really enjoy having twelve people on board who have high expectations, but 
they have very similar expectations. Uh, when you get into passenger vessel, um, the price point drops. You get a larger, more diverse group of people on your vessels, um, and they all have they all have their own high expectations, but they're all very different. And it felt like it didn't matter what I did, you could not please everybody, like every day. Like there was no winning, mm-hmm. right? You just you couldn't win, <laughs> even if you had one group that was just like. They had the best experience and they are now customers for life and you get hugs from them as they leave the vessel. You still have that one person that was just like, hmm. this sucked. And I'm like, but you were like, you were literally on the same boat for the same amount of time with the same group of people. Like, I can't, I can't help you now. Like yeah. I've, I've done what I could. We've obviously succeeded with a number of people and I just, I don't know what to do with the rest of you. Yeah. So, um, I personally found my joy in the charter sector just like i you want these 12 crazy things on your on your detail sheet and you want us to provide them for you we'll make it happen like i'm fine with that um but i just yeah so that that's where i thrive like i i like people with high expectations because it gives me a really good challenge to meet and keep keep my own level Mm -hmm. of performance nice and high yeah, well, then you jo- enjoy it. But like you, you've gone to multiple places. You've had multiple experiences, different situations. You get put in them, and then you find, hey, I like this. I don't like this. Uh, here's what I like about doing the passenger stuff, but I don't like it in this context. So you kind of, you kind of yeah. have found your way to where you want to be right now. So, which is why when people ask, like, so how do I do this? You know, what mm-hmm. part of the industry, this, that, and the other? You have to like sit down with them and be like, well, what do you want to get out of it? You know, what, what drives you, yeah. what really ticks you off? Like, what are your pet peeves that you just like literally cannot live with, you know? And if it's like people with a lot of money who, you know, drink half a drink and put it down and walk away, that's a pet peeve. Don't be in the yachting <laughs> industry, you know, <laughs> like it's, it's going to happen, yeah. you know? So, um, it, it all depends. Uh, I had a chance to go to maritime college when I was choosing colleges. Mm-hmm. And at that point I didn't think that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So I didn't go, um, much to my mother's dismay. Uh, she, she was really pushing Cal Maritime. Um, she just knew me better than, than I knew me, I guess. But, um, I didn't go, but if people want to do the cruise ships, you know, the the big commercial stuff, Maritime College makes sense because you graduate with a third mate unlimited. You get to be a a cadet on the bridge. You know, you, Mm. it already, puts you in a position where then you can learn the minutiae of the sector that you want to learn. Um, you know, if you just want to do small passenger vessel stuff, yachting stuff, you don't have to go to maritime college. You can take a couple of, you know, like STCW, like basic safety courses. And that sets you up to just kind of enter at the bottom of things and, yeah. and work your way up. I mean, like, that's what I did. I had like zero stripes when I started. Um, my first job with the yacht was literally coming in and cleaning it after charters. Like I didn't even go out for the first couple of charters. It was just come in, clean the boat, learn where all of our safety gear is, like learn the vessel itself, you know, run around with your eyes closed a couple of times because emergencies never happen when it's bright and sunny and easy to make it around the boat, right? You know, mm. um, and then it was like only after that that i you know you get to be on board and then start learning the skills that are in, honestly inherently a little more dangerous like line handling you know, engine room checks that kind of thing sure um so 
And it's and I don't know. I, you hear a lot of people say like, "Oh, the younger people today don't want to do this stuff." I don't. I don't know where that always comes from. It seems like it's somewhat true when you look around the industry, <laughs> though, because like I even talked to uh, one of our customers up in New York, uh, running like a, a ferry operation, okay. and he's like. I've been doing this for 30 plus years and it's always, you know, teenage kids come do that kind of stuff. They get the work experience. They get, you know, they get thrown in the deep end. And he's like, but man, uh, across the board and hearing it across other ferry operations, we hear from other yacht managers and it's even in the construction industry. It seems to be everywhere, but they just can't find young people that want to do it, that want to get in the mix. I mean, are you seeing younger people interested in this or are you seeing that dry up or what's your perspective um, perspective on this so i age myself uh okay boomer no um so <laughs> i i don't know i think that um the group that is coming into the workforce um it's it's the new group that's entering the workforce. Like mm -hmm. any any new generation that enters the workforce, the one that's here before is like lazy. They don't want to work. <laughs> they don't want to do it. That kind of thing. Um, but I think a lot of that comes from them having to find themselves. You know, the below deck is like a big thing now. So they watch it like, oh, I want to do that, and then they get here and they're like, I'm like, it's TV, guys. That like. Unless you are literally on Bravo on below deck, it's not going to be like below deck. Like. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, like my generation grew up with real world MTV, mm -hmm. right? So you watch it like, oh, I'd love to live in a house with these people and like work at a radio station. Like that sounds amazing. And then like you do an internship at a radio station, like, wow, this sucks. Like yeah. this is this is dumb. I just get coffee for people all the time. Like I'm bored out of my mind. I don't get to meet anybody cool. Mm -hmm. Like even the DJs like don't want to talk to you. Like so, I think in that respect, it's just like it's just that next wave like w those of us who are here have to take the time to mentor them mm -hmm. to get them to the level where they would be successful in the industry um any industry really it's just the matter of management being leaders and not managers and taking these kind of lost souls that have never <laughs> been in this part of their life before have never um had to adult which mm -hmm. frankly sucks. Like yeah. if you don't have to adult, don't, right? So um, so I, I, I see the frustration from both sides. You know, you get to this industry, you know nothing. Mm -hmm. um, or in some cases you get to this industry, you think you know everything, <laughs> which is sometimes more frustrating. Um, and then it's people just turning around going like, you're lazy, you don't want to work. And they're just like, well, I don't know if it's that. It's just like, I don't know how to work. Like, Sure, you have standards and you've told me what they are, but they don't have anything in their past or experience or their history yeah. to take those, like, I don't know, I don't want to say orders, but, you know, like work lists and things like yeah. that and convert them into actual work because they don't have the skill. They don't have that toolbox to go like, okay, if I have to wash a boat, well, washing a boat's kind of like, I don't know, washing a car. I will get things that I need that I, I think would do that. Um, you know, or if I've never washed a car, well, what do I do when I take a shower? Like, okay, well, I need soap. 
I need something to spread the soap around with, you know, bucket probably because I don't have a bathtub, you know, but that, that unfortunately, like that logical thinking chain um, hasn't been taught for a while. So as the mentor, you have to figure out where that break not just in communication, because the communication is fine. They understand words. You know, they, they understand what you want them <laughs> yeah. to do. They just don't have the toolbox or the critical thinking in some ways to take the tools that they have and convert them into this new situation mm -hmm. that they're in. So um, it, it comes on both sides. Like, they don't know enough to, like I said, when I started, I didn't, I didn't know my ass from my elbow. I didn't yeah. know what I didn't know. So I couldn't ask informed questions. I couldn't, like, I, my family doesn't drink coffee. I had never made coffee before I started working on a yacht. And the captain said, go make coffee. And I said, Cap, this is going to sound really stupid to you. I've never made coffee. My family just doesn't drink it. Mm -hmm. Could you just, I mean, you add water to the pot, right? But how many scoops? I mean, I can read the back of a package, but like, what do you do? Everybody seems to like your coffee. Just, just show me once and we'll figure it out. But I don't know if that level of critical thinking or that level of just self-awareness mm -hmm. um, is, is coming through, especially with like kind of the state of just like education in general. And then the, the influx. Just talking about this before. <laughs> the, the influx of having all of these poor kids now learning remote learning there's, there's a lot of skills that a bunch of our younger generation has just missed. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know. I, think, I do think it's our job to help. But yeah, I have seen definitely. But I mean, but like that's what those interviews are for here, especially with crew and like that 90-day probationary period is it's like it is my job to figure out where you are lacking, not just as a crew member, but like kind of as a human being, <laughs> right, in general, like the whole package, and then get you to a functional level. And if I can do that in 90 days and we still fit, or at least I see promise in that, mm -hmm. then yeah, you stay. You're part of the family, right? Yeah. And we, we work from there. Um, I see the frustration on, on both sides. I'm, I am young enough that I, I see the frustration from the people that are, are coming up, and it's just like, you know, they've told me to do things and then they're mad at me when it doesn't happen. I'm like, fuck this, I'm leaving, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, fuck you, fuck you, fuck, you're okay, fuck you, I'm <laughs> out, you know? Um, and I, I do get that. I, I do, I'm not old enough quite yet that I, I do remember those moments in my early 20s where I was just like, none of this makes sense and nobody's willing to help, so I don't need you either. Peace mm -hmm. out. Um, and so I think it's, you got to... Yeah, bridge that gap. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's our job to bridge that gap. You know, you don't learn if nobody teaches you. And unfortunately, what we would hope that they've come to us having already learned from just the kind of a basic education is also not there mm -hmm. either. Yeah. It's just, it's just, There's something missing. We, we have to figure it out because they're not going to get better. We just get more frustrated. The gap grows. Um, and then, honestly, we lose an entire industry. Like yeah. we're, we're seeing it in other jobs as well, like plumbers and AC and stuff like that. There's, there's this, just this big gap where people are retiring and we're going to end up with entire industries that are understaffed and there's no motivation to, to learn it.
Well, and there's there's a huge knowledge gap too. That's what I'm learning is like yeah, like the construction piece. Just uh, they say every seven people that leave, one person comes in. So that's going to compound in terms of number of people that can do the job, but also that's that's decades of experience leaving the industry. And the same, it seems like the same thing is happening in yachting. I'd be curious to like find some numbers on that. Maybe I'll have to go dig into it, but yeah. it's not just like, oh, hey, well, the engine needs to get fixed. We took, we had two people, now we have one person. It's like, no, we had two people with 30 years of experience and we have one person with one year of experience. Right. The, the amount of things that can get done and get done right drops significantly. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, precipitously. Like mm -hmm. you just all of a sudden that life knowledge is gone. And we didn't have anybody to like even take pieces of it mm -hmm. on the way up. Yep. You, know, you can you can read all the manuals you want. Um my mate and I joke that if something can be fixed by like like duct tape and a couple of monkeys, like that's our job. Like if we can watch some YouTube videos and we can figure it out, like that's our job to at least like try because that's how you learn vessels that's how you learn new skills whatever like it's we'll give it our best shot right yeah. neither of us are engineers both of us were on the captain's track um and even that that's years of experience on its own these people that want captain engineers I'm like those are two very different paths if you want somebody that's good at at least one of those you need somebody who's like good at one of those mm-hmm Pick a, pick a track. Yep. Yeah. Um, there are some people who have been in the industry for 30 years and they, they do have both of those skills, but they don't have people skills, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, so uh, I have another mentor. He's He can fix anything. He's had an unlimited ocean. He's taken like huge vessels that are going to be decommissioned like across large bodies of water. He tells stories like how he would like sleep next to a fire, like sleep curled up with a fire extinguisher because he wasn't sure the boat was not going to light on fire like during the transit type of thing. You know, <laughs> hulls that you can see light through. Like this man is a fantastic captain and he's a fantastic engineer. But he's been in the industry for like longer than I've been alive. Mm -hmm. You know, like he's had a chance to build that. And honestly, not the best people person. <laughs> <laughs> I love him to death, but he's not somebody you want to be like welcoming multi-million dollar clients on board. You know? Sure. You know, everybody has their skills, but you know, you, it's like that triangle, like yeah, good, two, fast, and yeah, cheap. Like you, you can three. have two. <laughs> you can't have three. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was, it's that, that lifetime mm -hmm. of, of knowledge that's not getting passed down. Yeah. Um, it's a, it's kind of a scary feeling, but we'll, we'll see what happens with it. Um, one of the other things that I wanted to ask you before we wrapped up was yeah. about the the bare boat charter versus. So what are the what are the oh, two? Okay. Um, so Coast Guard breaks down um, charterable or like rentable vessels okay. um, into like kind of three main categories. There's an inspected vessel category, there's an uninspected vessel category, and there's bare boat charter slash recreational vessel. Um, each come with a different level of scrutiny and like number of inspections by Coast Guard okay. <laughs> annually type of thing. Um, so an inspected vessel is going to have like the most scrutiny. Um, you sure. get annual inspections by the Coast Guard. They come by every two years. You got to pull the vessel out and they do like a series of like out of water inspections for it. So like those vessels, because they carry a lot, can carry it quite a few people, um, their level of scrutiny is quite high. 
Um, if like a big dinner boat goes down in the middle of the night, you know, during a dinner cruise, that's a lot of people for Coast Guard to come Rush rescue. You. Yep. Um, then the next level down from that is going to be an uninspected passenger vessel. And those are broken into like under 100 gross regular regulatory tons and above. Um, the below the smaller boats, they are considered six packs. So when you get like your six pack license, you can take up to six people for hire out on your vessel. Sure. Um, both of our vessels are over 100 gross tons. So we get the 12 pack. So we can have 12 passengers on board. Um, and again, that's just Coast Guard's way of saying you're not really regulated by us. Um, so we're going to reduce the number of lives that we're willing to let you put at risk. <laughs> Got it. Um, so um, because my mate and I both have come from an inspected vessel background, we keep our own like internal safety standards high. Sure. That's just what we're used to. Like when you look at the handbook and you're like, I don't have to inspect that every week. Well, that seems weird. Let's just keep inspecting it every week. Cause yeah. like, I don't really want to die. Like, you know, this, like I want to go home every night. I'm sure everybody else does yeah. too. We'll add that to, to our weekly checks, monthly checks, quarterly checks, um, which is actually where Vessel Vanguard comes in quite handy. Um, so it's, it's all mapped out for us so that we know, but, um, and then bare boat charter and recreational vessels are, are very similar. Like, if you have your own boat, that's a recreational vessel. You take it out whenever you want. Coast Guard doesn't really care. If it looks like you're drunk or it looks like you've got too many people on board, yeah, they'll pull you over and ask you to produce enough life jackets for everybody on board or you know, prove that you're not drunk behind the wheel or whatever. Um, Bareboat charters are much closer to recreational vessels than they are to uninspected passenger vessels and um, not at all like inspected vessels. Mm -hmm. So... The bare boat charter industry is full of smaller boats um, with owners that have decided that it makes sense to rent them out while they're not using them, right? So you, under a bare boat charter agreement, you're, as the charterer, um, you're allowed to have 12 friends on board and you have to pick, it is your job as the owner to choose your crew and hire them for the day. Um, a lot of the companies around here will give like a list of captains that they've pre-approved. Um, but you don't technically have to choose from them. Um, I'm sure there's somewhere in their contract that says, you know, please. But um, according to regulation, they cannot force a captain mm, okay. on you. It is your choice to pick whoever you want. So if you, if you do a bare boat charter and you sign the contract, you... I've, it's basically you own that boat in quotes Quote, yeah. for that time. In terms of ownership, you take on all the risks, you take on all the liabilities. But in those cases, you if you just charter that, you don't technically need to have a captain on board? Um, or do the, you? The insurance company for all vessels Will like that is, is going to want a sure. Coast Guard endorsed license on board, um, especially anything 65 feet and above. Um, but as the owner of that boat for the day, it's technically your job to source your crew. You can have whoever you want. They could be a t paper. They could have just gotten their license in the mail, and like the regulation says that there's a captain that meets that. And cool, they're on board. But if they've never driven a boat before, whatever. Anyway, yeah. so um, you, as the owner for the day, because that's what the bare boat charter agreement is, is that you are taking responsibility for that vessel, that crew, and that people as the day owner. Um, all of that liability falls on you. Um, if the crew does something wrong, if the 
boat catches on fire, if, um, God forbid, one of your passengers drowns or, you know, breaks a leg or something like that, you as the owner for the day are responsible liability-wise for anything that happens on or with that vessel for the period of time that you are the owner. Um, Which is crazy because, like, because we... We go down to Miami every once in a while, but we talk to some of the captains who will do the bareboat charters. And one of the big concerns is, yes, the owner owns it for that time. But then once you have a captain step on board, all of those like captain's responsibilities and everything like that, because they're, they have their license, it now falls on them. So right. in that case, if somebody does fall off the boat or people are almost probably always drunk always. on these on <laughs> always these. even the big ones always <laughs> yeah it's uh it's an insane amount of liability for the captain and the crew as well Crazy. and they get brought in maybe you make a few hundred bucks for the day but it's like how do you how would somebody and that's also, a captain protect themselves in that case like well, and it also seems you, unlimited liability you may not know the vessel like yeah. you, you might be on on the roster for four or five different boats but you only see one every few months. You as the captain don't know the maintenance schedule. You don't know if there's a project that's been put off. Like you, until you get there, like my friend the other day, um, she's a fantastic captain. She's working um, in the bareboat industry here in Tampa. Um, you know, she got to the boat and the windlass wasn't working. She's like, well, how am I supposed to have an emergency anchor? Like if something goes wrong, I don't have an emergency. I mean. Besides the point that, like, we're meant to go somewhere and drop anchor so that people can get in the water and play. But, like, there's that safety standard of, like, I now have a piece of safety equipment that's not functional. But you don't know that until you get there and or try it, you know, mm -hmm. and then it's a little bit too late. So there's a lot of responsibility that falls on these captains to work on vessels that they don't know the history of. I mean, like, if we could get, like... A vessel vanguard like if just the management companies do a vessel vanguard system then it would be easy enough to give these captains like not not so that they can go in and like change things kind of like the access that i've given our owners just to like go in and poke around then at least those captains can go in and see like just the maintenance history for like the three months that they haven't been on that vessel like they'll see open oms they'll see open pms they'll see things that haven't been touched for months and you're like well how come nobody's inspected the anchor chain in three years? Like, that's something that we should look at, right? Yeah. Or, What's um, going on with this? Because like, yeah. if you're a pilot and you get on a plane, like you can look at the logbooks, you can look at the flight logs, you can see all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And none of that is expected of a bareboat charter. Mm -hmm. it's, it's up to the captain to keep their own logs to make sure what's going on. Um, and that can get a little scary. I mean, I... I had a long talk with the owner when I came on and it was like, you want to be a UPV. Like you want to have full control of your crew and your maintenance and all of that for your vessels. You've invested a lot of money in these and you want to know that they're being upkept and you want to know that your money is going to the projects that need to happen. Um, and on top of that, you want a crew that knows the ins and outs of the boats. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're boats, right? Like you leave one night and everything's great. You come back the next morning and your AC doesn't work. And you're like, <laughs> okay, well, add that to my list of things to do today. But ultimately, the responsibility, the liability, all of that stays with the company. Mm -hmm. You as one of our charter guests, um, and we we do we cater to the the high net worth individuals that live around here and come and visit here. So 
it's, I feel like it's our job. Obviously it's our job as crew to like protect them physically while they're on board. Like it's, we are in charge of their lives. It's our job to do everything in our power to make sure everybody comes home safe and having fun and except for crew, a little bit tipsy at the end of the day. Right. Um, but it's also, I feel like it's our job to protect our clients from a liability standpoint too. Like when they come on board, they're just our guests. They don't have the liability of the vessel. They don't have the liability of the captain. They know that the captain and crew have been working on these. Like if a system goes down, my mate and I can usually get it at least to like working order while we're underway. But if you have crew on a boat that's never been on a boat before and the AC goes down, they're just like, well, sorry. Uh, it kind of looks like the one I've worked on before, but I don't know where all the tools are. You know, I don't know the little tricks, like look at it sideways and give it a kick, you know, and maybe it'll come back up. Like those those pieces of the puzzle. Um, that you learn when you build a relationship with the boat, with the crew, everything like exactly. that. Exactly. They, they don't exist. So, um, I mean, in, in our respect, the, the Vessel Vanguard system allows the owner to look at it. But from, like, my friends that are doing day work and working on vessels, it would just make more sense for those owners to have a similar system and give them, like, login rights so that they can just be like, oh, okay. Or I know it's not working. Hey, you know what, I've got a couple extra hours before my charter. How about we talk about some compensation? I'll go in and fix it because I feel like it's a safety thing and I would like to have it working hmm. before I go. But unless there's a, a way for you to like look at that stuff, there's, there's no way to know because honestly, we're kind of a we're not a very big marina around here. We all know each other. All of the day captains like, have worked together or you know, work on similar vessels. So it's easy enough to be like, hey, just so you know, psst, it's not working, just so you know. But even that communication doesn't happen. It would just, I don't know, I think it would just make things safer in general for the captains specifically because mm -hmm. it all falls on us. Like if something goes wrong when you are on the water, it is your fault doesn't matter if a passenger has done something stupid, if a crew member has done something stupid, if an owner has decided not to pay for a fix and, you know, one of your through holes busts open and you, you take on water. Like, those are checks. That, that is knowledge that the Coast Guard expects the captain to have. Yeah. Um, so it puts the captain in a position that can be a little, a little scary and a little sketch. And I have mad respect for our bareboat charter captains that are safe and tow a fantastically high bar for safety um, for themselves and their crew and their passengers. Um, but they have a level of responsibility that stays there whether mm -hmm. or not they've been working on that vessel for weeks and know the ins and outs of it. So. Well, and it comes down to, too, when you look at a lot of these lawsuits and when accidents happen and things like that, a lot of times they go back and they look for negligence. Like, just reading through some of the lawsuits from different well, marine all lawyers. All of the NTSB reports, yeah. They, Where, where's the negligence? Who do we pin it's this It's always, it, every initial paragraph at the top always starts with, like, negligence or negligence. And it's, and just going back to your point of, you're running this, you're running it as a business, you have the system, you can go back if something goes wrong, go to the Coast Guard, the police, the lawyers, whoever it is, whoever's involved mm -hmm. at that point, yeah. say, no, it's not negligence, we took care of this, this, and this, it's all right here, I have pictures, I have receipts, I did all this stuff, 
And that's that's kind of the scary part when I talk to captains about on the bare boat stuff is like there isn't that. There's not that thing to go back to. You got a maybe a pre pre-trip, post-trip checklist. Yeah. And sometimes that's all you're working with. And honestly, a, a lot of our bare boat charters around here, that is literally the captain's responsibility. Mm -hmm. Like, um, like uh, my friend, she will, um, like she does all of her pre-checks, but that, that's all you have to go on. Sometimes things don't fail until, you know, you've, they're warmed up or, you know, you've got a couple of hours on them or, you know, it's just, they're boats, man. Yeah. Like, like I said, you could just you blink an eye and now something's broken. You're like, crap. I guess I'm fixing that now too. Again? Again, yeah, exactly. Well, hopefully not again. Hopefully I can go back and be like, no, that was fixed. This is, this is its friend. Yeah. Well, Wendy, thank you for taking the time to go through this. Uh, is there anything else before we wrap up that you want to touch on? Um... No, thanks, thanks for the sea kit. Yeah, no problem. Super stoked about this thing. Cool. I'm glad. Um, no, I this I would I honestly I recommend Vessel Vanguard to all of the captains that I've talked to. I know that I was gonna try and get you guys set up with a couple of the other guys around here, but yeah. they've been swamped and I've been out it's of town, industry. so I haven't been able to kind of put that together. All good. Um, but I will. We'll circle back with them. Don't worry. Okay. We'll, will, we'll touch base with them. Yeah. Um, Captain Gil Castillo, I'll send you his contact information. Cool. Um, he manages a couple of the vessels up here. And I think, unfortunately, it's all different owners. That's cool. So um, getting. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll, we'll reach out to them. Getting everybody to line up is. <laughs> I'm getting one person to make a decision in this industry is enough. <laughs> Try getting like four owners to make the same Oh yeah, same decision. We know how it goes. But uh, thank you for joining us. I really appreciate it. This is really cool. And I'm, I'm glad we can get some insight into what it's like to run some of these boats. And uh, thanks for shedding some light on this, uh, the difference between these bare boat things. This has been a question I've been talking to a bunch of people about and uh, you laid it out pretty nicely. So thank you. Thank you. You're appreciate welcome. it. All right. Thank you, everybody.